You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. I want to go ahead and sow a little bit into the next series I'm going to start. After this Sunday, I'm going to start a series called The American Revelation. And I'm going to talk about the book of Revelations, and I'm going to talk about how it applies to us today and our response to the things that we are seeing and the things that we're going to continue to see. One of the things that I I talked to Pastor Willie George about four or five months ago, and we were talking about the book of Revelations, and, uh, you know, we started talking about this stuff, and he recommended some books and stuff, and there's a thought, uh, this thought that the Bible says what has been will be again, and what has happened will happen again, except that the Bible's written like a mirror, like how it happened before, it will happen again, but it will be in reverse order. It would be in reverse order. It would be the opposite of what happened. Let me just give you an example of how that, how that works. Like in the end times, the, the church is raptured and then the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth. Back in Genesis, because you can compare Genesis to Revelations, and man, there's so many parallels, but it's going to happen, happen the opposite way. In Revelations, we're raptured, then the wrath is poured out. In Genesis, Something similar happened except the wrath was poured out and Noah and his family was not pulled out. They weren't saved till after the wrath of God was poured out. And they were still on the earth. And so there's parallels in the Bible. I'll give you one other one that the, the, a lot of people don't understand this. In, in the book of Revelations, I think it's chapter 11 or uh, right in there, that, that it describes what most people don't understand is the great harlot. Well, that great harlot or prostitute that's referred to as a female is the fake religion that's going to pop up. And it's the exact opposite of what God says. He calls us his bride, the bride of Christ, spotless. He's going to come to a spotless and without wrinkle bride. Otherwise, oh, a wife that's pure and that does things right and that's loyal to her husband, right? Only intimate with her husband, whereas this, this false uh, religion that is represented by the prostitute that will prostitute itself and accept any religion and anyone and will be based a lot on sexual perversion, it says in that chapter. Whereas the body of Christ is called to be pure, this false religion will be as impure and the exact opposite mirror of what the body is. And so I'm going to teach on these things, and there's so much more to that that applies to the seven days of creation to, I mean, it's just there's mirror images all throughout there, and, uh, things that happen and things that are going to happen and what, what the false church is going to be built on and how it's already, if you can't see it already, how it's already being built on sexual perversion and the acceptance of anything other than Jesus You can say God, you can say Muhammad, you can say whatever, as long as you don't say the name that's above all names. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ's name. And so, man, I'm going to be teaching on that, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. So uh, I just want to wet your whistle a little bit because it's going to be good. And then I'm going to talk a lot about our response to how we're supposed to respond to these things. And in the Thessalonians, where we've been studying on uh, Wednesdays, it talks about that. The first Thessalonians is about 
uh, a lot of it, that chapter 5 is about the end times, what we see coming, and then God talks about our reaction to that. And he says in 1 Thessalonians 16, let joy be your continual feast. Otherwise, guys, despite all the darkness and all the trouble, we can't lose our joy because the joy of the... Now, that's not just any joy. The joy of the Lord is not like happiness from, you know, having a baby, even though that's beautiful, or uh, having fun, or, you know, something special happening, or buying a new car, or getting a promotion at work, or something good happen to you. It, no, the, it's the joy of the Lord. Otherwise, the joy of knowing that Jesus Christ died for you, died for your sins, you're forgiven, and you're on your way to heaven, and that heaven's going to be greater than ever, and that he's with you, just like that song we sung, that he's with you every step, and every, every step, every minute, every hour. He will always be there for you. That's the joy of knowing the Lord. And so that's why I said you should continually feast on joy. Continually feast on joy. And we've talked about before how God said, always be thankful in the circumstance, for the circumstance, but we always have something to be thankful for. Amen? In the circumstances. What am I thankful for in the circumstances? We'll talk about more of this in just a moment, that God is with me. He's with me. That, 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 that's how we feast. That's our continual feast of joy, that no matter what happens, man, if God be for you, who could be against you, man? God on your side, and you're on his side. Then he says this, make your life a prayer. And we've talked about the other components of that, but I saved that peace. I went backwards a little bit and saved that peace for last. And so we started talking about how do you make your life a prayer. And we started with um, what Jesus, how Jesus taught us how to pray. And so uh, if they'll pull up Matthew 6, I want to go through from verse, I don't know what verse they'll start with. Whatever verse they got up there, we'll start. Okay, verse 9. Let me go up a little bit further to verse 7 and 8 that it talks about in verse 7 and 8, don't be like the, don't be like those who don't worship God. They are these, and these religious people, they think for their many words, they'll be heard, heard from God, heard. Spending too much time in Texas, I can tell you that right now. Heard, they heard from God, no, that, they, that, that they'll be heard from God by their many words and their repetitive words and all that. They just keep repeating the same things over. It's amazing. Every religion I know that is religious, not relationship-bound, has repetitive, repetitive, repetitive things they say. They chant the same things. They say the same things. Even religious groups that call themselves Christians have the same chants, the same things. Stand up, kneel down, say this, say that. And it's not just Catholics. There's all kinds of denominations that repeat the same stuff every week. And they think, and God, Jesus warns them saying, saying they think because of their repetitiveness and they say the same thing over and over and over again that God will hear them. Jesus is trying to say, listen, it's not based on being repetitive. It's not based on religion. It's based on relationship. So he's teaching. So the thing he does here is he, he, says, he says in this manner, like this, pray like this. He doesn't say we have to repeat this over and over again, even though, you know, I love the Lord's Prayer. They call it the Lord's Prayer because Jesus is the one who said it. So it's the Lord's Prayer. And so, anyway, I love it, but he said, in this manner. Otherwise, 
This is a pattern. This is an example of how I want you to pray and how you make your life a prayer. Um, and he says this, therefore pray, our Father in heaven. A lot of uh, other uh, uh, interpretations is first say our beloved Father in heaven. But it always, he always says Father. What is he talking about right then? Relationship. He doesn't say Yahweh. He doesn't say Yahweh. He doesn't say El Shaddai. He doesn't say Jehovah. He says Father. Father. So Jesus is saying right off the bat, this is all about a relationship. And that for him to be, he doesn't have illegitimate kids. Let me say it again. He doesn't have illegitimate children. He knows who's, who is his and who isn't. He knows who's his son, who's his daughter, and who is not. But he's establishing right off the bat a relationship. And he's saying, when you, when you, if you want to make your life a prayer where you pray and have effective, uh, uh, your prayers are impactful and effective, you have to understand, first and foremost, we talked about this last Wednesday, who you're talking to and what relationship you have with them. I pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, just as Jesus taught us to pray like that too. But always, he always prayed to the Father. He's teaching us, come based on the relationship. I tell you, there's a big difference if I was to walk up to a stranger and say, you're a dad, right? Yeah. Hey, Dad, will you give me this? I see you got kids. Hey, Dad, will you, will you buy my, my groceries? Will you buy me this? You're buying them candy. Can we buy me a candy? You know, just because they're, listen, they're not, that, that's not my dad, right? It's, it can't be impersonal like that. And a lot of people try to approach him from an impersonal perspective. They don't have, he's not their father. He's the creator of every human being on the planet, but he's not everybody's father. He's God to everybody, but he's not father to everybody. He, who is he father to? Only those. Only those that confess that Jesus Christ is their Lord of their life and submit. Everybody say submit. Surrender and submit your life to him. Then he becomes your father. Then he will adopt you. He said, by the spirit of adoption, we cry, Abba, Father. And he said, I'll, I'll adopt you if you surrender and submit your life to me. That's the ones he's father to. Otherwise, we agree to the adoption. Listen, my daughter, we adopted her. Because she's adopted, she can't. She she knows better. Look at my, uh, her mom and I and go, "Hey, you're not you're not my father. You're not my mother. You can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me, right? Why? Because because she is. We are her father and mother, and we are the authority over her. We are the boss of her, right? And when you're surrendered to God, He is the boss of you. And that, this whole prayer and how to pray and make your life a prayer is based, the first and foremost thing Jesus talked to us about was you have to be in the relationship. And this is not any ordinary father who it is. Who, what father is it? In heaven. Jesus, Jesus chose his words perfectly. This is not your daddy. This is not your father on earth. This is the father in heaven. And then he says, hallowed be your name. And we talked about that you know, that we, how we approach him is real important. Who we approach is real important. 
um, that we understand and know who we are talking to. And then we talked about being thankful, number two. When we talk about his name being hallowed, that, that word means revered. That means respected. That means honored. That we honor his name because in the Bible and according to God, our name uh, is, we, we're supposed to have a good name. The Bible talks about having a good name. Otherwise, it's your reputa- you have a certain reputation. Not that everybody loves you because if you stand up for Jesus, everybody's not going to love you. Matter of fact, some people are going to hate you. They'll hate your name. But I'm talking about, but we don't give them ammunition to hate it. Jesus said, they're going to hate you anyway, but don't give them ammunition. Don't let them hate you because you're a thief, a murderer, a liar, a cheat, a this, a that. Don't let them hate you for those reasons. If they just hate you because you have a relationship with me, that's different. But don't give them ammunition. Amen? But God wants us, he, so people might hate God, because, but he gives them no ammunition to do it. And where his kids are supposed to revere him, honor him. And when we do that, what we're showing is a gratitude for his holiness and his glory. What God's glory is his mercy and goodness towards us. His goodness and mercy towards us is is what makes him great, is his glory. And so when we say, hallowed be thy name, we're saying we revere you and we, we lift up your reputation of your name that God is good. That there's no evil in him. He's neither tempted by evil nor does he tempt anybody with evil. God is good. You guys are on it to this tonight. And so all of that speaks of being thankful, grateful, and honoring the reputation of our God for being good to us. Our Father. Our Father in heaven. Next verse. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about the will of God in that that that's how we surrender, that's how we submit. Uh, Jesus said this uh, in the garden. He said, your will be done, not mine. I mean, that's that's the heart of a Christian. That's the heart of one of his children. Man, your will be done. You know what I love about it, though? Jesus came and asked him if he could do it another way. And God doesn't rebuke us for that. Jesus is the perfect, he's the Christ, man. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's perfect. So if the perfect one can go and negotiate with God, then we can too. Let me say it again. If he did, we can. But in the end, when he says, listen, you want to do this, but I want you to do that, we go, okay, God, we're going to do that. That's, that's one of the distinguishing marks of a Christian versus someone who says they're a Christian versus someone who is a Christian is that they're submitted to the will of God. I had a conversation with a family uh, some time ago, and they disagreed with something that I had preached on, and I, I showed them in the Word. I said, I showed you in the Word that night about this, and they they, you know, so we talked about it uh, over and over. Then finally they looked at me and said, well, I'll, I'm, just, uh, I'm never going to change my mind on this issue. And I said, never? They said, never. You're never going to change my mind. And I said, I'm never going to change your mind. Right, you're never going to change my mind. And I said, well, okay, I get that. Don't let me change your mind. Then I asked this person, can God change your mind? I know I can't, but can God, can God? Will you let God change your mind? Man, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. 
could have heard a pin drop. And then I read them the word again. I didn't just read them one scripture. I read them multiple scriptures. I mean, he could have heard a pin drop. The other person with them began to weep because they knew. What they were saying was not no to me. They can say no to me all they want to. No one has to submit to me. But they were saying no to God. Children of God will always come back around. Even if you say no ten times, the eleventh time you'll just submit. Because, you know, sometimes he asks us to do something, and we'll, we'll argue, we'll debate. Well, God, I don't, I don't want to be kind to them. Can you have someone else be kind to them? Can you take this cup from me and do it another way? You know, sometimes he might say, Jesus asked him, because there must have been a possibility. <laughs> you know, that he might change his mind. King David did the same thing when he was told what God was going to do. He said, he said I'm going to pray. Hopefully God will change his mind. And then when he did, he said, well, I, I prayed. He didn't change his mind, then I'll submit to his will. And so, you know, sometimes you might want someone else to do it or someone else to be the first one to say I'm sorry or someone else to do this, and God's dealing with you. You know, obviously we can have a conversation with him, but in the end, a child of God will always obey. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. In the end, no matter how much you might not want to do it, no matter how much you want to try to find a different way around it, in the end, a true child of God will say, okay, Lord, I've, I've talked to you about this. You said no. I tried it this way. You said no. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my life. This is an example of how to pray, an example of how to live a life of prayer. Next verse. Give us this day our daily bread. This is one we haven't gotten to. I, I, wanna, I want you to understand, a lot of people take this and say, God just wants to give us the basic necessity. That's not at all what Jesus was talking about here. He was talking about the basics. You have to understand, back in those days, just like it is for some families and people now, bread was the Basic, essential. The poor ate a lot of bread. The poor ate a ton of bread. Why? Full of carbs, filling, you know, and they ate a ton of bread with everything. Matter of fact, a normal meal for a lot of poor people in those days would just be like a little bread and some cheese or something, something that like bread and crackers, but it'd be, or, you know, crackers and cheese, but it would be bread and something. And that would be their whole bread and broth. They just have broth and dip their bread in it and eat it. But bread was always a, a basic essential for even the poor. Jesus' point here is that if God cares about the basic essentials in the simplest thing in life, what else does he care about? He said, if he cares about this, bread, then you know he cares about everything else. He cares about everything. He said, cast your cares on me because I care for you. All your cares. All your cares. Everything you care about. He said, I'll supply all your needs. Not some of your needs. All your needs according to my riches and glory. Otherwise, I'm a, I'm a, I, want, I want to pour out a blessing on you. God's the cup runneth over God. But what Jesus is establishing here is that nothing's too small to pray about, too basic or too simple. Nothing like that's too low to pray about. And nothing, nothing's too little and nothing's too big for God. 
Nothing's too little and nothing's too big. And he's establishing right here too that, that we know that there's a spiritual principle to bread as well. Jesus said to Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And he calls himself the bread of life. That's why we take communion with bread. He calls himself the bread of life. So we know that Jesus is the word of God. So we say in our daily bread, don't just give us our physical substance, but give us our spiritual food to God. When I read your word, feed me. Feed my, feed my body, feed my soul, feed my spirit with your word. And feed my body with bread, with, with what I need and the things I need. I, I also want to point out here too, Jesus didn't say after you've done everything you, you want to do, then pray. He never makes that statement. He prays first. A lot of times, we got to retrain our thinking, not to panic, freak out, worry, react, get angry, be sad, be down first, and give in to those emotions, but to take those emotions immediately to prayer. And say, God, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm mad by this circumstance, I'm sad, I'm down, but I'm bringing that to you too. I'm bringing my emotions to you too, Lord, but I'm going to pray first, not last. A lot of times, man, we get in situations and we start thinking about, well, I need to do this, I need to go talk to that person, I need to do this, I need to do that. And we don't always train our minds to be still and say, hold on a second, God said, make my life a prayer. Man, this is life issues. This is life stuff. Everything in your life is, applies to this prayer thing. Make your life a prayer. I'm going to pray first. It's not going to be my last resort. It's going to be my first resort. That's what he's trying to tell us. Give us our, this day our daily bread, our essentials of what we need, mind, body, spirit. And if you care about that, God, then you care about the little. You care about all the big things, too. I'm going to bring it all to you, the little and the big. I'm going to pray over the little things. I'm going to pray over the big things. Sometimes we forget to pray over some of the little things. But Jesus is reminding us to do that, to pray over even the little things. Bring them all to God. Make your life a prayer. Make your life a prayer. Um, the next thing, um, gosh, he says this. Go, go to the next thing. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We got to a little bit of this. Last week, and I just I want to talk to you about receiving and giving forgiveness. Um, man, it's so important that we're able to forgive um, and receive forgiveness. You know, uh, the Bible teaches us that if we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. And that's why he says this. Forgive us our debts, our sins against you, Father, as we forgive our debtors. It, those two things are parallel. And, if, and I, I've said it before, if, you're, if your prayers are hitting the ceiling and don't be, seem to be going anywhere, you need to ask God, God, am I harboring any unforgiveness towards somebody? You know, sometimes you forget, but you don't forgive. A lot of people say, well, I can't forgive because I can't forget. But sometimes we forget, but we still haven't forgiven. It's the opposite of that. Amen. Have you ever just forgotten about something and years go by and someone says, hey, you remember old Charlie or somebody? And they'll say, I'm not talking about you, Charlie. But, uh, but uh, 
but or any other charters in the room. But you remember, and you go, and your first thought in your mind is, oh, yeah, I mean, that guy, he's a, that guy, he did this to me and that to me, man, and I don't like that. That guy lied to me. That guy cheated with my girlfriend. I mean, and now all of a sudden you're, you're remembering something you'd forgotten, but that, they use that word trigger now. That triggers a thought of unforgiveness. You know, if your prayers are hitting the ceiling, you need to say, God, I ask you to forgive me. But if my prayers are hitting the ceiling, God, please show me. If I'm harboring unforgiveness towards anybody else, please, please show it to me. Let me know. Because I don't want to, Lord. I want to forgive everybody. I want to let it all go. I don't want to be hindered in any way, shape, or form. Jesus said, pray in this manner. You know what's crazy is? In verses 14 and 15 of the same chapter 6, he talks about it. It's the only thing he reiterates. Right after he teaches them to pray, he goes right back into, if someone's done something to you, forgive them before you come and pray. I mean, he goes, he, he's just the only thing he talks about twice. Talks about it in the prayer. Verses 14 and 15, he talks about it again. He's emphasizing that this is a huge, huge deal to God. It's almost like God in that parable, he talks about the one who owes a lot and the one one that owes a little. He's saying, how dare you harbor forgiveness against anybody? And yet, you ask me to forgive you of all your sins. How many times you've doubted and distrusted God, dishonored God, lied to God? not kept a promise to God, cheated on God. Some people are like, well, they, they cheated on me. They betrayed me. I, I'm, you know, how can I forgive them? I want God to forgive me. I've never done that to God. Oh, you haven't? You've never had an idol? You've never had anything in your life that you put first in front of God ever? Not true. So we've betrayed him. We've cheated on him at the highest levels. And that's why God said, no matter what someone else has done to you, you forgive. Miss Della, Big Jim's wife, I'll never forget one of the stories she told me. Her father had been extremely abusive towards her all her childhood, very badly, very badly. And I'll never forget that when he got, wasn't feeling well, was sick, and they were wheeling him into the hospital one time, she looked at him and she said, Daddy, she'd always been good to him. She said, Daddy, I want you to know I forgive you. Man, I I just have seen too many people walk in that and have had horrible, horrible things happen to them. And they still would forgive. I mean, I always think of it this way. How dare I harbor unforgiveness when I have sinned against a holy God? When Jesus had to die a horrible death, For my sins, how dare I? How dare I? He paid that price for my sins. My sins were awful. They were horrible. They were worthy of this crucifixion and this beating and this torture and this death and then in hell forever. That's what my sins, that's what my sins were like on him. How dare I harbor unforgiveness? Guys, this is something so powerful right here. He said we always need to be checking our heart that we're not carrying stuff with us, that extra baggage and, 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 and 
causing God to resist our prayers because he'll never, he won't move you forward. He'll always deal with you. Every time you come to him, he'll deal with you about forgiveness. Keep your heart cleaned out. If you're going through a dry period, uh, it might just be there's resistance. It might just be that God is, is teaching you and growing you, teaching you how to wait, teaching you how to persevere. But it also might be that you're walking in unforgiveness towards somebody. Clean your heart out. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, if I'm, if I'm harboring, show me. If he doesn't show you anything, then move on. It's something else. Because the Holy Spirit will show you. Unforgiveness is a, is a horrible thing to let enter your heart. Then the next verse. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Oh, our God's our deliverer. I said our God is our deliverer. What is, this is is a recognition that without Jesus, I can't, I can't, I'll give in to temptation without him. I'll yield to all the evil temptations and the, the, the desires of my flesh. Uh, I'll just yield to them. But, but we need Jesus to deliver us. And it's a constant deliverance. I mean, he's, every day he's delivering us from temptation. He's helping us to fight back and not give in to the worst and the lowest parts of our lives, but to reach for the highest parts. The things that God establishes as a, as a great standard that not only blesses our life, it honors our Father and blesses others around us. Instead of pulling them down, God wants us to, wants us to, be, to lift people up around us and to honor God's name in our life and and to and, and rely on him to be our deliverer. I like what Psalm says about this. Go with me to Psalms 18. Psalms 18. I think it's 2 and 3. Verses 2 and 3, it says this. I love you, Lord. I am bonded to you, my strength. It uses the word Yahweh. That means Lord. Lord, you're the bedrock beneath my feet. My faith fortress. I like that. My faith fortress. Man, I like that term. You're my faith fortress, my wonderful deliverer, my God, my rock of rescue, where none can reach me. Your shield around me, the mighty power that saves me in my high place. He just talks about how great a deliverer God is. Uh, you're right there in Psalms 18. Go to Psalms 34. Verse 4 says this. Listen to my testimony. I cried to God in my distress, and he answered me. He freed me. Another word for freed right there is delivered. He delivered me from all my fears. Gaze upon him, join your life with his, and joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory. You'll never wear the shame face again. Another translation of that verse says, He delivered me from all my troubles and my fears. Delivered. He is our deliverer, the one who delivers us from temptation, deliver us from trouble, because this evil, the temptation it's talking about there, and the evil it's talking about there is trials as well. Bad, hard circumstances that God wants to deliver us from trials, difficult circumstances, from temptation. He wants to deliver us from all of that. He wants to deliver us from all of that. Can you put that last verse up there again? 
Okay. Oh, there it is. No, no, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean the last verse in Matthew. Verse, I think it's verse 13. Matthew 6, 13, from the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. So he says, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So when he's talking about do not lead us in temptation, we know that God's not tempted with evil nor tempts us with evil. He's saying, but he, what he's saying there is lead us away from it. That we naturally want to go to it. Lead us away from it, God. Lead us away from the temptation and then deliver us. Then he says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It begins with honoring God and ends with honoring God. It begins with reverencing him and revering him and thanking him and giving him praise and glory and worshiping him. And it ends with it as well. Jesus is saying, pray like this. Enter in with praise and with, to your father's presence and leave the same way with praise and thanksgiving. He said, pray in this manner. Make your life a prayer like this. And these principles apply, and it applies especially in these last days that God wants us to make our life a prayer like this. He wants us to be praying like this all the time. I wanna, I wanna end with this tonight. Go with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Everybody okay out there? Verses 19 and 20. It says this again, I give you an eternal truth. If two of you agree to ask God for something in, in a symphony of prayer, my heavenly Father will do it for you. For whether two or three come together in honor of my name, I am right there with them. That, that word of agreement, and this, in this case they interpret it properly, symphony is from the, the Greek word sophano, and it means to harmonize. It, needs to, it means to come in agreement. It's like two separate instruments that play different chords and have different sounds, and played just independently will sound funky, off-key. But when they get in agreement and they get in the same song and the same notes, and they say, hey, we're going to play this song together, all of a sudden, man, it's a harmony. It's a symphony. It's all in accord. It's united. He's saying when you get united, you all, you, every one of us are a different instrument. Every one of us were made special and unique. But when we get in symphony, when we get in harmony, there's tremendous power made available to us. God said two are better than he said in Amos 3.3, how can two walk together unless they first agree? That word agree in the Hebrew is the same type of word. United, harmonious, in agreement, symphony, creating beautiful music by praying together on, in, in agreement of God's word. The power of agreement is, is amazing. God said in his word, when we get that one of his kids will put one to flight. Otherwise, we'll chase or, or chase a thousand. One will chase a thousand, but if you add another one, They'll chase 10,000 away. That's the multiplication factor. Ten times greater power when we get in agreement. The power of agreement is it's tremendous. So one of the other things we need to apply to our lives to make our lives a prayer is we have to have people that are like-minded and in faith with us that pray with us. I always warn people, don't go pray with someone not in faith. There's no power in it. 
If, if Jared and I are praying, Jared's in faith. He's like, Pastor Troy, I'm in faith. This man, I've, I'm standing on this scripture and this scripture, and I'm in agreement with God's word. I want you to agree with me that God's word will come to pass in my life right here. And I'm like, mm, I don't even really know if I believe the Bible's true, Jared. Or, yeah, I believe it's true, but Jared, I, I just, man, dude, I, I just don't think God will do that for you. There's no power in that. We're not in agreement. There's no symphony. There's no harmony. The power is in the symphony. The power's in the unity. Like, oh, no, Jared, I, I prayed those scriptures. I know God will do them because he's done it for me. He'll do it for you. He did it for David. He did it for Joseph. He did it for Peter. He did it for Paul. He did it for Ruth. He did it for Mary. He'll do it for you. I'll get in agreement with you now. Let's stand together. And when we're in harmony and agreement, that's when the power takes off. This is how much God loves family and friendship and unity that he said, you can pray on your own and there's power. Hey, man, one person whooping a thousand? That's, that's pretty incredible right there. But he said, man, just add another person. We'll multiply that times 10. There is power in, in agreement. There's multiplication power. It does something in heaven because God loves relationships. He's a relationship God. That's what he wants husbands and wives to do. That's what he wants parents and kids to do. That's what he wants friends to do. That's what he wants brothers and sisters in Christ to do. And don't, don't, if someone can't get to that faith level, it's, man, don't, don't dog. Some people have great faith for healing, some for finances, some for relationships, some for women to get pregnant or this to happen or that to happen or another thing to happen for jobs or provision or, but not everybody has that. Say, you got to find someone that's in agreement that has faith for what you're agreeing with, that what you want agreement in. So important that your, your faith is matched. So sometimes, Julie come to me and say, hey, I'm believing God for that. And I'll go, man, baby, I don't know if I'm there right now. I don't know if my faith is there right now. But I'll tell you what I will do. I'll agree with your faith. You pray it, I'll agree with it. I'll say, God, Julie's in faith. So I'm going to hook up with her faith. But most of the time, we get in faith together. We pray, man. God wants us to give something. Julie, Julie wanted to increase our giving in a certain area of the church. and Because after our tithe, we give beyond that. And, and, and she's like, I want to give another so, such and such amount. What are you thinking? I, I, I said, I'll pray about it. It's so funny. During praise and worship, God dropped that number on me. I looked over and I said, what'd you say? She said, this. And I said, yeah, just right during praise and worship, out of the blue, God just said, yeah, give that. See, listen, and then now, because she didn't give it till we got an agreement. Why? Because now, now we can pray over it and say, God, multiply this to that ministry in our church. Multiply that, God. We can get an agreement. We never give to anything unless we're in agreement. And if her number's bigger than my number, we go with the big number. I just, I'm just like, let's go with the bigger number. Can I give God? But it's not just areas like that. It's all areas. 
We just get in agreement. We want, there's such power. Church, I can't, I can't state enough to you how much power there is in unity and agreement. God shook prisons. He broke prison chains off. He, he busted open prison doors when two people got in agreement. He shook whole buildings when a whole church got in agreement. He shook nations when people got in agreement. Oh, he defeated whole armies when a people would get in agreement. When the king would say, let's fast and pray. Oh, man, power to, I mean, wow. A lot of people don't know that what happened with, uh, with uh, Jonah when he was swallowed by the fish and was spit out in Nineveh that after he preached to the king of the Ninevites, which is a city of, of around 100,000 people or more, that after he preached to him, he submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the people did too, and he called for a time of fasting and praying to repent and get an agreement that they were going to not worship those false gods anymore. And I can't imagine the blessing on the Ninevites that came from that. Great power in that. Great power in agreement. Get in agreement. There's a couple of the principles I'll teach next Wednesday, and then we're going to move on from this. But just principles of prayer, that this is how you make your life a prayer, church. And our whole life needs to be praying out things. God says, I already know you, you, you want it. I already know what you need. But go ahead and ask me anyway. He wants, you know why he wants us to do that? Because he wants us to stay in relationship with him. It's about a relationship like, man, I love you and I'll do that for you without even asking, but come over here and let's talk about it. Why? Because I just want to hang out with you. I want you to ask and I, I want you to honor me, but I want to have this relationship with you. I want you to know how much I care about you. That's what prayer is. It's, it's, the, it's talking to God about the things in your life. The things he wants to do in you, through you, for you, to you. And they're all good. They're all good. He has a good plan. Listen, every eye closed here and online. Wow. Wow. We're, we're going to have people up here to pray with you after this service. Um. And just get in agreement with you. If you need agreement, you're maybe you're single. You don't have that person or a friend that does that with you. And you, or there's just something that has been on your heart that you haven't been able to get someone to agree. Man, a spouse or kids or whatever the circumstances are. You just want someone to agree. Maybe you're a couple and you've been in agreement, but you want to add another person. Two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said. You want a third person. The Bible says two is better than one, but a three-stranded cord is hard to break. Maybe you just need agreement as a couple for your child. Maybe a lost one. You just need to be in agreement. You want to be in agreement. So at the end of this, just stick around and pray. And if you're online, send us that prayer. Make sure it lines up with the Word. And if not, we'll talk about it. But send us your prayers and We'll pray over those two and get in agreement with you. That's how he unites us. That's the beauty of the body of Christ, the church. But if you're online or here, 
you're not right with God, man, he loves you. He's a God of justice and he will judge the world. There's no doubt about it. But he doesn't want to pour that out on human beings. He said, I created hell for Satan and, his fallen, and the fallen angels, not for human beings. But if people, human beings want to follow Satan and demons, then they'll go where they go. They'll follow them where they're leading, which is to eternal death. And you're either following them, regardless of what shape it takes, some, some other religion, some false religion, some lie, doing your own thing, you don't believe in any God, that you're still following them. Or there's only one way to God and to heaven, and that's through accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, submitting your life to Him, and believing that He died for your sins, that God loved you so much that he died for your sins and was raised from the dead. Asking for and receiving forgiveness and learning from him how to forgive others and let, let the past go. Let him deliver you from your past. Your, your issues, the things you've done, and the things others have done to you. Man, I just have this sense and could be wrong, but I have the sense that the reason I brought up Della and that situation is because somebody in here is hanging on to that unforgiveness towards someone that hurt you when you were a child, molested you, abused you, beat you, whatever they did. And though you're functional, you've never really let that go. And you need to. You know you need to. It's damaging your life. It's weighing you down. Well, if I forgive them, does that make it right? It never makes it right. Let God, let God judge it. Let God has, ha, have, uh, uh, get revenge. God alone is the one that will extract justice. You're just going to release them from controlling you anymore. Affecting your life anymore. how you're going to do that is just accepting Jesus Lord and asking him to forgive you and, let, and stating I forgive so and so I'm letting that go getting right and then Jesus will help you get your emotions right and, and heal you from all those choices that they made and you made as a result he'll heal your life if you've never prayed whether you have that circumstance in your life or not maybe you're up and out you got everything and you got nothing I've known so many people working in the oil fields around here that have a, making tons of money and have nothing. Life is bitter. It's just like can't buy enough toys, can't do enough junk, can't spend enough money, buy enough alcohol, can't party enough, and it's just never enough. There's still just this hole in you. The more money you make, the less money you have. I mean, I know there's people in this room, you're not right with God, and whether it's those issues or another, God loves you. He won't make you submit to his authority. He's not that kind of God. He's a God of freedom. You have to choose. He's given you a chance to choose to, to surrender your life and go to heaven, be forgiven, have a life worth living and giving away here. 
won't be trouble-free and won't be perfect, but it will be good. Or you can reject it. Follow Satan and the demons to where they're going. Your choice. But if you want to pray right now, and you never have, we want to pray with you right now. Online, I'm going to ask you to send us a message. I'm praying for the first time right now. In here, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. That's it. Then we're all going to pray right where we're at. But you might not be a first-timer. You might be someone for the next time. I, I came back and prayed again and again and again and again and again. I still run to God. And if you need to run home, this is your moment. So whether it's your first time or your next time, online, send us a message. In this room, one, two, three. Raise your hand up and say, it's me. I need to get right with God. That's awesome. You can put your hand down. So we're going to pray with all those online and all those in this room. Come on, church, say this together. Say, God, I believe that you are God and God alone. That you love me and sent Jesus to die for all my sins. He raised him from the dead and he's alive. And because I believe that, I ask you, God, in Jesus' name, to forgive me of all of my sins. And I release forgiveness to those who have hurt me. And I ask you, teach me, deliver me from my past, my sins and theirs. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ. I surrender my life to you. My life is yours. Teach me how to live life and life to the full. Your plan for my life. Thank you for saving me tonight, restoring me tonight. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate the goodness of God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.